All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Thursday episode of Crypto with English. Today's topic and main focus is going to be Africa and Africa tech, specifically in this Web3 blockchain space. So I would say to anybody, wake up and smell the coffee right now. Giant is rising and awakening. So continental Africa is a blockchain titan and giant that is in the distance, but it is steadily occupying the center focus of the horizon, so to say, giving other occupants already there some imminent competition. South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, and Ethiopia are just to name a few. So I'd like to warmly introduce to you all a very close friend of mine and blockchain pioneer in his home country of South Africa, who has already gained a reputation as the blockchain baron of Africa, Shadrach Kivin. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you kindly. Thank you, my brother. And, 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 and you know what? And very, very close friend. Great to be connecting your morning, my evening. And good right. morning and good evening to everyone around the world and all the Crypto with English uh, family. Great oh, to be thank here. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, uh, for all the viewers, Shadrick is a returning guest. So last time we focused on his startup, Coronet Blockchain, and supply chain issues and supply chain solutions throughout Africa and in the rest of the world. This episode, we're going to focus on Coronet Blockchain as far as goals and uh, milestones for 2022 and some of the, I guess you could say, some of the aspects of the metaverse and NFT secondary economies with their respective place in Africa tech and startups within continental Africa as well. So, so Shadrick, with what's going on in 2022, you know, there's a lot of chaos going on. So we have the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We still have issues with uh, the supply chains across the world. Hyperinflation is rampant. But you go across different parts of Africa, whether it's Kenya, whether it's Senegal, whether it's your home country of South Africa, there are solutions being made at the moment that are essentially allowing people, and people seem to desire it, using blockchain, cryptocurrency, and related solutions in their everyday life, and which includes your very own startup. So picking up from our uh, conversation from when you were here last time, um, tell us all what's going on with Coronet right now, and as far as the supply chain infrastructure and what you're building on top of that. Ah, uh, Brilliant, brilliant, fantastic. Uh, once again, great to be here. Talking about uh, the supply chain, Globally, the audiences will remember that we are just riding on the back of the, the headwinds uh, that COVID, I mean, COVID rolled out, a very unwelcome surprise. But on the one hand, COVID fast-tracked or leapfrogged the digital, the hyper-digital transformation. But on the other hand, uh, most of our global supply chains as a planet were, uh, were, were ground to a halt. Uh, there's, a, there's a supply chain terminology called supply chain shock. You know, whether That's our shipping routes, whether our shipping routes or our tracking routes, they all kind of like uh, had this very unpleasant, unpleasant whiplash going through them. You know, before I delve into coronet blockchain, I'm going to use a, 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 a very familiar, a very familiar uh, a picture that most audiences might be familiar with. Look at the BMW, look at the BMW supply chain in its pre-COVID days. You know, it is such a a supply chain fit or a supply chain, uh, what do you call it, aerobics that the likes of BMW were engaging in before COVID. And some people may not know that the BMW firm has actually three or four of its uh, series of CEOs Global chief chief executive officers to date have actually been coming from the supply chain industry background, not automotive, not finance, you know, supply chain because uh, the the, the automotive. I know that. That's great. Look at that. Look at that. (laughs) The automotive sector was among the early adopters of the mindset of you need to really uh, uh, cultivate the supply chain muscle memory that causes you to have a front row view or a front row seat 
on where the supply chain trajectories of the world are going and hence jobs and factories uh, kind of like uh, uh, where, where, how do I call it, where, where followed an exodus out of Detroit, uh, areas like Detroit to China, right. because I think the, 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 there's a terminology called just in time uh, uh, supply chain delivery mechanism and now i'm going to right. touch on that in a moment and now with with uh, with covid we have moved from just in time to just in case just in case everything just falls into chaos so i think the just in time was perfected by the likes of amazon bmw apple and others because they figured out that they really want to intuitively move their inventories in such a way that it arrives just in time to the destinations and domains where it's needed before i segue into coronary blockchain i did promise to unpack a bit about the bmw sure, which, sure. Is more, which is a more familiar supply chain bmw's fit of running their, their value chain and supply chains across the world is quite something because you are seeing 12,000 suppliers working across 60 countries to produce just one BMW vehicle. Right. Absolutely. 12,000 suppliers working in tandem like this giant aerobics whereby there's, there's just those suppliers <laughs> That are just yeah. focusing on the yeah. It's, it's like a it's like a Zumba class or cardio kickboxing class of, of you know of supply chain aerobics and uh, yeah. you, you're doing all these different things kind of at, at once and just to produce it, one right yeah. right just not far from where I was born not about about eighty kilometers from where I was born in the village. There's actually yeah. rest there, one of uh, the, 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 what do you call it? One of the very significant BMW plants that exclusively makes uh, BMW engines. You know, it's, wow. uh, it's called the Roslyn plant. They just make, BM they just make BMW uh, engines and those engines now will now make their way to China or, or make their way to other assembly plants. And now they will, ask, they will meet the other parts and make their way back to South Africa. So, Probably wow. one BMW has done quite a couple of laps around the globe before it, before, it, before you take delivery of it. Yeah, you already got uh, mileage on the odometer before you even got a chance to drive it. You know, that's what it, that's what it kind of looks like right now. Absolutely. You know, so, with that, so with that stage yeah. being said, uh, coronet blockchain uh, leveraging uh, uh, what do you call it blockchain technology to really rethink. African supply chains to reposition uh, African supply chains for value, for transparency, and to really oil the wheels uh, in the trust economy, and also right. to, to to leverage the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement to ensure that the value that such robust policies are promising uh, are actually materializes on the ground in specific select supply chains where the the what do you call it the everyday person might have been excluded from participating right. actively in those supply chains i'm gonna make an example with milk you know milk arrives on our tables but do we ever yeah. think about the farmer at the very beginning first mile right. of the milk chain because lately over the uh, over the last few decades there's been a growing uh, uh, what do you call it monopoly focus on either milk or crops or other value chains but at right. times reforms or such refining of how a sector functions is sometimes at the expense of the what we can call the little guy at the beginning of the value chain so coronet blockchain was uh, uh, con con conceived with such a vision to really uh, firstly rethink the beauty sector and the mm. subsector in beauty to rethink the, the human hair extensions on the continent whereby 2.5 million families are actually uh, uh, putting food on their table just out of that sector alone. And so when you ask about our, 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 our 2022 focus, we just yeah. signed off our BFF 30 vision. What that means is our focus in coronal blockchain rolling out, to, uh, 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 what do you call it, to, to reach 2030, which is not that far out when you look at a number of Saturdays on our right. clock or on our on our odometer so when you look at that we're moving from <laughs> we're moving from uh, beauty into fashion and into food because africa's food security is really our core focus when you look at our 
our deficit. I mean, we are home to 60% of the global arable land, but about less than 10% of that land is being utilized optimally. So when you look at that and you have a growing population, I think we are only around six, 662 Saturdays or 60 odd Saturdays to 2035 when the continent's population is going to double to more than 2 billion. So our right. food import bill or our reliance mm -hmm. on, on offshore economies to, 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 to supply our dinner and our breakfast is really a bit lopsided now. And I know you touched on Ukraine and Russia. I think they are responsible for about 30% of the global uh, uh, wheat or grain output. Right. So yeah. I think it was a Greek philosopher who said, uh, whoever understands the, 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 the movement of the, 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 the grain dynamics is fit to govern or fit to rule <laughs> either the country or the That sounds so familiar. I'll have, to look up the, I'll have to look up the name, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so I think we find ourselves as Africa where we are using every means possible, blockchain included. We are using yes. every means possible to rethink what future-proofing our economies will look like is, is emerging to look like on the one hand there are some policy shifts there are also some 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 shifts in terms of the sustainable sustainable development goals whose expiry right. date is only eight years away you know you'll be you'll remember yes. that we started with the millennial <laughs> development goals now we moved into the sustainable debate at right. four trillion US dollars a year the verdict is out but what, what I know is that Africa is realigning to punch beyond its weight to really uh, future-proof its economies. We we are kind of like working on a. I, I think the picture I want to paint is it's like welding underwater because while we are repairing and rethinking Africa's economies, Africa is also home to its own seismic activities. Maybe right. current upheavals on the one hand and some right. geopolitical instabilities on the other hand. But the size of opportunity, even as Web three begins to emerge merge on the horizon something that we cannot leave to chance yeah that is awesome you know what i'd like to think of i guess you could say africa's continental africa's future role in tech right now yeah mike tyson at the i think it was the 1986 olympics so this is when he was he had to have been like 19 years old or something like that came out of nowhere and in fact he's probably one of the youngest contenders at the yeah. time and then you see yeah. like barely two years later <laughs> yeah. knocking heavyweights out like crazy and nobody saw it coming. Yeah, 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 definitely. By the way, he's probably my favorite boxer, you know, head, you know, heavyweight-wise. Yeah, uh, incredible. Old fights. I would suggest anybody to check check them out. Um, uh, just to back – yeah, and just to backtrack a little, you, you mentioned a very, very interesting point, which I just found out now, that, you know, BMW and beyond, a lot of companies – are essentially hiring CEOs and leadership that have a background in uh, supply chain and you know logistics, you know technical knowledge. Would you say that prior to that, since a lot of these, I guess you could say, these leadership teams and CEOs, they mostly came from a finance background or maybe something or investment banking and you know, you know other little nuanced areas in that? Do you think that maybe they kind of dropped the ball? Because um, the focus is, I would imagine, is quite different. If you're hiring somebody, let's say, from like from Wall Street or if you're hiring somebody from like a pure, you know, investment banking or, you know, hedge fund background, yep. I don't I don't think the uh, main focus is going to be how to best manage supply chains. I would imagine it's going to be how do we maximize profits for you know shareholders? And by the way, profitability is all nice and great when it comes to companies. But, you know, yeah. supply chains, it just seems like, why is this getting so much attention now as far as like the usual dialogue in the news? It seems like supply chains is kind of one of those fundamental things like the foundation of a house or something like that. Yes, that's a that's a good question. You know, I I grew up being among the last uh, the last breed of 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 sustenance farmers that lived off the ground. So when you speak about moving grain from A to B. When you speak yeah. about moving meat from A to B, when you speak about all these dynamics uh, of our everyday life, 
A is right. over there and B is just behind me. But the reason why Wall Street uh, and, and other, uh, what do you call it, Wall Street or Main Street or any other streets have seen right. a shift away from, from the balance sheet uh, obsession towards right. an awareness, an awareness and muscle memory on supply chains, it's because A to B is two different world apart. It's not like how I grew up, whereby right. A is over there and B is behind me, but A right. to B could mean Guangzhou and New York. A to B <laughs> could mean Dubai and Accra, Ghana. A to B right. could mean Madagascar and London. So when, when uh, 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 geographically speaking, the, the, the pool for resources, I mean, if you've had ice cream anytime recently, 80% chances is that it's raw vanilla pulp came from Madagascar. But we hardly look oh, at this. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 80% <laughs> chances it comes from my neighbor here on the east, uh, Madagascar. So, so A to B, the gap between A to B, I'm, I'm going to use virtual reality, have necessitated as uh, what do you call it, a, 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 an expert at the helm who could kind of like put on their VR glasses and be aware of the moving parts around them rather than burying their head in the balance sheet. There's a more awareness of kind of like having that, that ability to wrap your mind around the, the, the global tectonic shifts and tectonic yes. plates and yet kind of like know how to get value over there, whether it's microchips over there or whether it's maybe cotton from over there or maybe it's earth metals right. from that destination. So it's just so vast an equation to solve that the balance sheet will derive its value out of that equation on the supply chain end of things uh, uh, what do you call it, with homework being done thoroughly rather than a strong balance sheet dictating uh, as to where the supply demand, it's now the other way around. Right. And, you know, you know, let me know if I'm, you know, being accurate or perhaps mischaracterizing this, but would it be fair to say, is the balance sheet approach a little bit too short-term or short-sighted? Because when I think of balance sheet, that's something that's kind of immediate a lot of times. When I think of supply chain, that tends to be, you know, a little bit, you know, long term, you know, further down the road or maybe broader, you know, looking, so to say. Definitely. You, you, you remember uh, balance sheet, numbers, 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 numbers. Right. Supply chain, you are seeing stakeholders, you are seeing people, you are seeing regulators. You right. Right duties, you are seeing transit partners, you are seeing transporters, processors, manufacturers, final assembly. It, it, it's just a whole different ball game when you move your, your, your one dimension approach where it's a numbers discussion to now right. you are now coming into the people factor, people dynamic. Do they like you? Do they want to trade with you? Now you're looking at the global trade dynamics. Now you're looking right. at localized geopolitical dynamics. Now you're looking right. at stakeholder mappings and now you're looking at a whole lot of legalities to keep right. everyone in the game and for yourself to stay in the game. So I think the sheer volume, think about Apple. Uh, Apple has really configured their supply chain so intuitively that by the time, uh, I mean, I've got about two Apple stores just down the road from me. By the time <laughs> inventory yeah. uh, is, is kind of like uh, uh, shifting off the shelves and, and that factory in China or that factory in Vietnam, kind of like that same retail facing uh, inventory interface comes live as far as China, like what? Uh, right. 9,000 kilometers, 14,000 kilometers away. Uh, it yes, comes live with their grid and the replenishing begins to kick in. So I think you, you are realizing with the likes of Amazon and also with the Chinese counterpart, your, your yeah. Alibaba, and also there's another player, the JD, the JD group right. in China, which is kind of like eclipses Amazon. So uh, we can't yes. talk e-commerce. We can't talk e-commerce without talking the supply chain because while e-commerce might be the digital platform, supply chain is the fulfillment. is is what delivers the magic. And you know, I think I listened to a a a, 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 a talk recently by one of the Wall Street experts who actually said that there are players and pretenders. So the pretenders can speak all they want, but the players are the ones that are going to deliver the goods to your doorstep. So right. the supply chain is what brings the goods to your doorstep. Wow.
Well said. And with Coronet blockchain, yes, you know, essentially having a transparent and traceable, trackable, you could say ledger of beauty products, specifically hair extensions um, across the blockchain. Can you talk about how you came up with the name and the significance and the importance of tracking beauty products, especially when it comes to hair extensions, whether it's Europe, whether it's the United States, whether it's any continent in the world, the, you could say the beauty product industry alone brings in hundreds of billions, I would imagine, plus in profits per year. So get into the weeds a little bit about that. You know, uh, the the beauty industry, I must say, I I ended up into it uh, very uh, accidentally with my co-founder and wife, Pretty. And coming from our management consulting background, we, we, we actually uh, have made our way across a 10-year span with my last corporate road being at Deloitte. I right. now entered the management consulting uh, uh, space whereby we were solutioning through strategy and through management uh, practice to really uh, enable new ventures to take off and to enable right. existing ventures to scale. That really has been our sweet spot for about a decade. And coming out of that space, one of the the, the, the clients or flagship projects that ended up on our desk is actually by an ex-colleague of mine from Deloitte who actually fell on times and she 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 came through to our offices and said you know what you gotta help me and you know she 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 was selling human hair extensions out of a handbag and she was seeking some some uh, i would say she was seeking the magic bullet in order to grow out of handbag and into a bricks and mortar existence we didn't have the magic bullet but we we knew our way around uh bringing new ventures and new projects to, to, to the market. And long story short, 36 months later, we have actually evolved that, uh, that entity that was trapped in a handbag in a chaotic taxi rank. Uh, right. Think of it as a marketplace, you know, a, a, a marketplace where you, you can buy fish, buy all these things. So then there's hair in, 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 in the middle of everything. There's the crosshairs of hair. So we looked at that thing and said, we got to formalize your bid. We got to really legitimize your operation. Just put some structure, some method to the madness. Those are the words that we used. We're going to put some method to the madness. And uh, that worked because 36 months later, we have grown an entity from 500 US dollars uh, as a starting position to 2 million US dollar revenue position a year. And when you look at it, you know, it's quite humbling because back in the days when I, when I lived on, what, what do you call it? When I lived off the ground and I lived in a village, my mom used to start all this kind of businesses. And one of them was a hair salon. Hair salons are really incredible because both in Africa and the U.S., hair salons are mainly, what do you call it? Or rather the beauty space uh, in general caters for people that perhaps have been kicked onto the curb. By, by the other opportunities that they might have missed. So after agriculture, the beauty sector absorbs one of the largest, largest, uh, what do you call it, employment catchment uh, uh, than other sectors. Yeah. So when you look at the type of people that end up there, they're hardworking, they're, they, they, they kind of like put their head down, they're doing everything, whether they are barbers or may, maybe they're right. weaving the wigs or maybe they are fitting the wigs or they're running the salons. I have great respect for every practitioner who works in that sector. And you know what? My, my, my head wouldn't be this way if it was not the salon sector. So when you look at uh, this kind of dynamic, you find that those families, 2.5 million families on the continent, they're almost playing Russian roulette with their future because if they get counterfeit hair, it means right. that they are just a step away from closing shop because when right. you salon get counterfeit hair, it means that people are not going to say some manufacturer offshore gave you a raw deal. No, they're going to say you are giving them a raw deal. So there's right. manufacturer to salon. That's a B2B dynamic. And then there's a salon to end user consumer. That's a B2C dynamic. So most of the tensions happen here on the B2C. Almost right. all the consumers, they kind of like uh, uh, have the blind spot of who the hair manufacturers are, who these global giants are. They just take their fight to the doorstep of the salon. They say, no, no, you gave me counterfeit hair. And with 100 right. million pieces, 
uh, uh, exchanging hands on the African continent across a seven billion US dollar a year economy. It's right. quite swelling with opportunity and it's growing and it's got way too many mouths dependent on it. So we had to solve the quality authentication issue. We had to solve right. the sourcing of inventory issue. And the last part that we are solutioning within Corona blockchain in our, in our focus, solution focus is we had to solve the booking engine, meaning as a consumer, right. you can Uber yourself uh, food in and or, or else you can uber puzzle this uber puzzle that why can't right. you actually uh, uh, what do you call it uh, 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 get on a booking engine and, and 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 check yourself into a salon in advance and know exactly which stylist is going to attend to you and know exactly the inches or the look that you're going to get on the day and whether you're coming for a week wash or a blood dry all of right. those measures is happening on the booking engine so across quality authentication it, with the middle uh, pillar being the inventory sourcing and the third one being a booking engine, we, we have tailored uh, what is really a simplified bells and whistles for, for the everyday economy and for the everyday man, very straightforward. So having done that, we started getting a lot of interest from uh, North America and elsewhere where they're saying, listen, your solution is reapplicable to other supply chains. So why don't we adapt? Why don't we have you adapt the solution to really help the smallholder farmers to play in the mainstream economy by leveraging trust and traceability? So that's what we are busy now doing, making inroads into the food supply chain, making inroads into the fashion because ethical fashion is really a big deal. Right. Also, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, there are some instances where 80% of your garment might actually be made of crude oil. I mean, just, just think about that a little bit. Wow. It might actually not be cotton. <laughs> it might not be polystyrene. It might actually be some variation of crude oil. 80% of it, of what you're wearing. But no, no, it looks normal. But no, no, no. There, there, there's actually a lot more. And also this thing of, no, no, we are an environmentally responsible fashion brand. Right or fashion label across the world, such claims are not possible unless they are bulletproof on a transparent, decentralized ledger where you wouldn't be uh, manipulating the figures at night, your CO2 emissions, your ESG accountability. Right. Everything must be decentralized. Both regulator and consumer needs to very with ease get into uh, 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 those variables that are that are moving around your, your your environmental impact and environmental accountability. The same with the telecom sector. You can't say no, no, no. You know what? Our our devices did not. Uh, our devices only used ethically sourced Colton in them. Right. How do you know? I mean, really, if you're buying your Colton from five to 10 different middle uh, middle players, how do you know where they sourced it? So right. unless we, we evolve our supply chains onto the blockchain in line with Web3 uh, 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 capabilities, then perhaps right. we are going to uh, continue having a boogeyman embedded <laughs> in our supply chain. Wow. And, you know, you raised a bunch of good points there. And in fact, if, you know, many of the clothes that we're wearing, let's say if they're made out of petroleum, oil and related products, you know, those are carcinogens. Those are cancer causing yeah, chemicals. And this is something you're putting on your skin, you know, day in, day out. And much like, you know, hair extensions, you know, these yeah. are, you know, getting into your follicles, getting into your skin, getting into, you know, your scalp. So, you know, Absolutely. I think I think it's very crucial that um, seeing each step of the supply yeah. chain and the Definitely. source. And Definitely. I guess you could say what materials or chemicals are being introduced. Uh, it's going to make people very much more particular. And um, you could say knowledgeable as far as uh, who they're going to buy from and uh, you know, what they're going to be, you know, what they're going to be using. So can you get into yeah. some of the, um, get into some of the nuances as far as the importance regarding, let's say beauty products, especially yes. as hair extensions, as the Coronet blockchain, as far as, you know, the source of it, um, the yes. parties that end up, you know, in contact with the product, and, you know, and so I on. I love that. I love that. Uh, just, uh, just a, a, what do you call it? A fun fact. A fun fact. I mean, the likes of Nicki Minaj in the U.S., they are mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> on, the, on the consuming end. Uh, your, 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 by the your, way, she's from Queens, head. by the way. She's, uh, ah, she's yeah, she's yeah. just uh, like... Just like a five minute drive for me. <laughs> ah, small yeah. World, small, world, small world. 
So hey, that's right. <laughs> if if you want to see her, her her stardom as a type of royalty, and yeah. we look, we look around the crown she's wearing. By the way, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a what do you call it? A, a, a slang for for hair extensions. If you right. look at the crown, crown. Yeah, if you look at the crown that she's wearing, and then you ask yourself a question: Is there a woman across the hair value chain that suffered? For Nicki Minaj to wear that crown uh, on her head. Oh, that's a that's a good point. That is how we really started to get into the crosshair of things. You know, uh, we, right. we we actually had to follow what we call the 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 hair silk route or the hair value chain <laughs> right, right. To the very beginning. And what you find is that eighty percent, apparently eighty percent of the global hair supply chain has its raw material base. Uh, being in India, particularly south of India, you know, south okay. of India, uh, the, 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 there's well-known temples there, like the Tirupati, even though there's right. other temples as well. So while a, a, an Indian woman, man or child frequents the, the, the temple for religious reasons, you know, there's the two R's, uh, or, or rather there's three R's. There's three R's that begin to circulate around that India-based devotee. When she sits on the ground or when she sits on the chair, and the temple babas, sometimes some temples have up, some temples in India have up to three thousand babas actually shaving wow. hair on the same floor. Three thousand babas. Think about the casino floor in Las Vegas with about three thousand slots on the three thousand oh, yeah. slots on the on the floor. But instead of yeah. slots. You've got this kind of like shavings, you know, instead of the, the, the what do you call it? Instead of all the, what, what do you call it? The, the blackjack table and all that, it's not. <laughs> the roulette tables that. and all that, yeah. There we go. It's actually the the, 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 the the whole shaving regimes that are synchronized to take place on specific days. As so this is rows of just barbers on different That's days. That's rows yeah. and rows and rows. And these devotees, I, I mentioned the three R's uh, at the genesis of the hair value chain. That's, yes. that's religion, that's retail, that's revenue, you know. The moment hair is shaved, uh, or rather, let me use the industry term, the minute the crown moves from <laughs> one woman's head, who's a devotee, when that crown hits the floor, a new industry is born. And that industry is actually revenue-focused, away from religion, whereby that same crown is going to be bundled up with other crowns or with other hair extensions. Oh. They're going to mesh together and they're going to be auctioned off in the next room. So think about this. Think about the Las Vegas scenario. The one yeah. casino is the hair shaving. The next right. casino, that's, that's, that's separated by a wall alone. That's the hair auctions. So while... Right. Well, while, while this side, it's like the devotees, they're probably singing and they're, they're coming through for right. the shaving. On the next one, the auction hammer is just going off and, you know, <laughs> the next highest yeah. and, and And of course, India is also home to some of the preliminary processors where some villages are going to be sorting the hair and doing those things. But those right. industries that used to pre-process the hair and, and kind of like align the cuticles and comment and remove the unwanted stuff, that those industries are actually going, are undergoing heavy suffering at the moment because there's this big monopoly players that come in from China, that come in from Italy, uh. that come in from other hair processing major hubs, and they just kind of like put in the hair. I, 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 I mean, the gigantic hand in there and just siphon out all these major volumes through the India's borders and out and. You know, one of the reasons why blockchain is needed, even at that level, is there's a whole lot of under de declaration, uh, under declaring. Under the declaration, yeah. So those yeah. those system dynamics they necessitate that you know those governments where where hair is being harvested. In the case of India, they come on board. My team has already began inroads in that regard. So beyond that, when hair leaves India borders, which is not the major processing hub of the world, it's right. heading the major processing centers that will be your 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 china your italy and others so right. when it's there through the factory alone through the factory alone hair is handled in more than 18 to 25 stages or steps 
And by that time, it wow. leaves the factory. And, and those steps, they, they include coloring, dyeing, or just uh, aligning the cuticles, washing, hygiene. And, and, and some of those processes could smuggle in some really carcinogen-causing yeah. uh, 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 elements such as, such as silicone in order to give right. it that shiny effect. So right, it gives it that uh, right. The, the I guess that thickness or the volume or um, you know, something like that, right? Yeah, bouncy shininess. And I think right. there's a movie called "There's Something in the Water," right? So when it comes to the hair game, maybe there is something in the water. You want to know whether there's silicon in the water. You want to know what right. actually <laughs> went through the wash processes and the handling processes and such. So you want to know that. But once it now leaves, once it leaves China, Italy, and other hubs, it now has to there are two dominant markets on the planet uh, for hair that actually consume 70 to 80 percent of the global demand that is africa as a continent and the u.s as a country the u.s right. is leading with about 40 percent consumption demand with africa just kind of like coming behind there at 30 percent consumption yeah. demand so between these two uh, there's just such a demand for good hair. There's such a demand, and right. uh, what do you call it? Mainly women. They insist on a good hair day, and for a good reason, because a good week sure. or a good look will 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 guarantee you a good hair day for three to five years. Wow, and you raised many good points. Um, so just two questions, you know, off the yes. top of my head. Why do so many hair extensions? or I guess you could say that hair extension supply come from this one region in Southern India. And what problems um, will come about with different hairs? I guess you could say different hair extension sources being mixed along with all of these different, I guess, individuals and parties handling, you know, these hair extension supplies at different points. I mean, yeah. this could be what, tens, maybe hundreds of people in some cases. Yeah. So. You know, the, the, the total, the, the average that a, a, a hair bundle, a hair bundle goes through from yeah. of origin to the, the, the wearer at the last mile of the value chain, the, the average is between 113 to 119 hands that wow. actually touched that particular hair bundle. So when you've got that that many variables at play, you need a see-through effect across the supply right. chain. Because there's just and also remember we're discussing a luxury item here. Hair is a luxury right. product, right? Because it, it competes right up there uh, with cost in terms of phones. I mean, uh, uh, hair is right up there as a luxury item. So. There's just too much leg room or too much uh, uh, margin for temptation to kind of like right. put, in, to put in the counterfeiting elements. So yes, you 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 discuss what could be some of the the the, the what do you call it the, the unintended uh, implications. Right. Yeah. If all these sources of hair are being mixed together to make Absolutely. the extension. Definitely. So you see, hair at its roots, at its roots. That is actually going <laughs> No pun intended, but at its roots. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, Very so, fitting. So, at its roots and, and at the origin point, when it is shaved, it is shaved yeah. with the roots on the one hand and the tips on the other hand. So okay. that is what you must think of it as that way. So now, if along the value chain, that hair now mixes uh, uh, bi-directionally, whereby that there's roots facing south and, and, and what do you call it? That there's tips facing south. That right. hair, if it is allowed to remain that way and it travels down the value chain, a woman is going yeah. to have bad hair day very quickly because when that hair, which looks all alike, but when it's now used to make a week and it's facing bi-directionally, it's very easy for her to bunch up. That's why in the industry, there's something called, uh, 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 what do you call it, Remy hair, meaning it's it, it soft from the temple a certain way. There's also a terminology called virgin hair. Virgin, virgin hair, hair. yes, I've heard of that before. That it's sourced from a virgin donor or a virgin devotee. Uh, virgin hair mainly uh, means that it is, it, it is actually sourced from a single donor. So many okay. from a single, uh, 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 what do you call it? Just single one domain. source. One source. So therefore, it will be it will be aligned much wow. better because the cuticles at a microscopic level they behave right. much. better.
better next to each other. Rather than uh, kiddos from this house mixed with kiddos from the, the, the house next door. That's where uh, uh, hair can really bunch up and it can really, uh, 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 what do you call it, snowball into a bad hair day very quickly. So <laughs> right. one, has to, one has to really be gentle and be mindful when they handle uh, hair because it requires both the science through the value chain and the artistry of hair is only the art is only required at the last mile where a weevologist takes those bundles to now make a wig or a look or to make a, what's called a, 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 what do you call it what's called clip on so the clip on okay. only come up at the last mile of the value chain but throughout it's science 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 you know you gotta right. you gotta how the hair will behave under certain chemicals, under certain washes, under certain heat, under certain processing mechanisms. Is it facing that way or facing that way? So that's all science. And talking right. about why is it that it comes from India, historically, for thousands of years, uh, that, that particular region in India has actually been availing hair to, to, to the global trade. Wow. At first, it was to make mattresses. Wow. Our, our mattresses are uh, historically... Globally, globally, before yeah. uh, the spring coil and, and, and the spring coil and the foam and, and the foam mattress, uh, I mean, the foam industry uh, gifted us with mattresses where metal yeah. coils meet uh, this spongy bit that actually uh, comes from foam, which is a, a, a whole science altogether. Before that became the norm, uh, mattresses were just basically bags bags of hair where and, and those were the most sought after those were the most sought after mattresses and then demand shifted uh maybe about three four hundred years ago demand now shifted towards um a, a demand for uh, from agriculture where the, the agricultural sector needed hair in order to make certain variations of fertilizers and make certain variations so yes hair used to be in our agriculture Hair used to actually power uh, ag industries. Uh, first, it was uh, uh, what do you call it—the the the, the 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 bedding sector, and now the right. agricultural sector. Now, about about the hundred years ago, the the, the demand started kind of like uh, taking off in the beauty or the vanity sector. So first it was sleep, then it was food, and now it is now in the vanity sector, which is wow. quite interesting because Hollywood uh, let 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 the demand. If you have to look at yeah. Marilyn Monroe, I can, imagine, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> if you have to look at Marilyn Monroe in different pictures, right. different angles. You could pick up that. Wait a minute, her hair volume almost defies gravity or defies her <laughs> age times. <laughs> so now that I think about it, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, between between a look and just keeping a certain a certain gravity defying look, right. hair and lipstick had a lot to do with the, the the making and makeup. Of course, had a lot to do with the making of this uh, 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 what do you call it? This Hollywood icon, and of course, the right. ones that fall. But hair was still a, a, a secret. No, no one will admit that. No woman will admit that they're wearing extensions. Until about maybe 30 years ago, where some people like, uh, what, what do you call it, some, some uh, people in hip hop, your, your, your Nicki Minaj are also entering the, the, the game about 10, 15 years right. ago. They, they started being more, more bold. They even began taking off their wigs. And you go like, wow, this is actually moving from a mission top secret to an everyday brag that I'm actually wearing. Right. Now I began with, uh, with Nicki Minaj. Now I'll circle back. Imagine on the, what is the name? I'll, I'll remember her. I'll remember her. She 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 actually began the 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 the, 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 the culture of asking people on the red carpet in Hollywood, uh -oh. who are you wearing? Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. So Joan by the Rivers, way, I've met her before <laughs> too. Look, look yeah, that. I met her at the airport once. It was very random. She's very nice. Yeah, right. hilarious. So, 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 so talking about that, she would ask people, what are you wearing uh, yeah. on the carpet? So with that being said, one would actually wonder if 99% of celebrities in Hollywood, in South Africa, in Nigeria, in Lagos were to be asked, so who are you wearing? They they automatically think neck down, but oh, they, okay. they leave the crown on, on their right. head. Was there a woman out there who must maybe kidnapped for hair or was there a woman who's who, who was coerced right. 
into uh, into donating a crown or right. parting with a crown. So th there's also the human rights component uh, to the yeah. Uh, there's also the, the human rights dynamics that our blockchain uh, as a see-through value chain, transparency and traceability is solving those sustainable development goals, including human rights protection. So who are you wearing? Good question. D did another, did another yeah. uh, uh, woman suffer on the extreme end of the value chain right. for, you, for you to actually shine on the Hollywood record? Right, some sort of duress or threat of violence. I mean, you know, you, you never know. Unless we solve that, then maybe, just maybe, we, we, we are leaving value on the table. That's what really excites us on a daily basis. Right. And, you know, and again, you raise some really excellent points. And in fact, I think hair, beauty products, even the very food we eat and uh, the iPhones and the other, um, I guess you could say, uh, you could say creature comforts that technology has uh, bestowed on us. I think all of us, regardless of where you're regardless of where you're from, you're going to think twice if you can actually see the actual supply chain and source, you know, so to say. I don't think anybody is going to feel so comfortable buying, you know, some of these things if the person or the source at yeah. the genesis, at the beginning stage, is yeah. somebody who's a victim, either through threat of violence, through some sort of like uh, duress or financial pressure, somebody who's being exploited. Nobody, I, I can't, I don't think reasonable people are going to be fine with that if they know, if they know their pair of shoes or their cell phone or their hair is coming from somebody ball. who's or, or their right. soccer ball is made by some child labor or child slavery right. in Pakistan, and then you are kicking it in in in, in those glamorous stadiums. Are you actually right. kicking dreams of a little boy? Oh, you're actually kicking the soccer ball. So those are the ethical dynamics that blockchain leverage as a truth machine and a trust machine is being deployed to solve those everyday practical problems, including, uh, uh, what do you call it? Enjoying, uh, I mean, Easter is coming up now. Easter yeah. eggs will be everywhere. So how much of those Easter eggs are actually made of raw cocoa from 80% oh. of world's uh, source for, for raw cocoa, which is Ghana, Nigeria, and Ivory Coast. Yes, so that's that right. So how much of that Easter egg hunt is actually happening on really, really, uh, on an equation that is tilted away from, from, from the human rights that we really take pride in? Well said. And just to backtrack a little bit, when it comes to hair extensions, hair products, and tracking the supply chain, Obviously, I think the need for for cleanliness and best practices, best sanitary practices are very, very important to A, I think, protect the customers, but B, also prevent bigger problems from emerging. So yep. my question is, so even after, let's say, the hair is removed and let's say it's processed into a hair extension, can those hair extensions still carry things like viruses, bacteria, and mold. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, you're bringing up a, a, an angle of pandemic proofing our communities. <laughs> that's pandemic a good way of putting it, actually. Yes, pand pandemic proofing. Pandemic <laughs> you should call proofing it that, pandemic proofing. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. We, uh, talking about pandemic proofing our society, uh, when hair comes through your borders as a country, are you, yeah. are you welcoming in body tissue? Or are you welcoming in a vanity item? Because are you? Oh, gonna that's a very good question. <laughs> I'm thinking about my uh, high school biology class now. Right? Is it a tissue, or you know, or you know, is it some sort of organic tissue, or almost like an organ or body part? There we go. So, yeah. how would you classify it? Uh, that's number one. What's your classification code at custom duties? That's number one. number two. Oh yeah. The stages that the item itself went through. Are those processes, uh, did they follow a certain level of processing precision or manufacturing precision that will read it of, I mean, sometimes lies, they, 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 they live in the hair. So ha has there right. been enough hygiene protocols that were rigorous right. enough? Uh, you want to know that as a consumer. Number two, uh, obviously the human rights violations are, are, are already part of the equation. Right. Protect those. Number three, you also want to know that the handling procedures and the handling method, maybe let's say that hair item comes with a certain stamp that says this has been COVID checked 
or this has right. been whatever future pandemic is is, is 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 lingering there in the shadows this has been uh, what do you call it pandemic proofed you want to know that that stem is not merely a label. You have to item. coin that term. You have to start using it more. <laughs> Everybody's going to have a citation in their, you know, marketing materials and LinkedIn posts. That's not just a sticker you can peel off and or right. up, what you call it, stick on or stick off. You want to know that rigorous process that is transparent and that is like localized to that specific item and that right. was uh, that was followed on the immutable digital ledger that is right. decentralized and could not be breached could not be centralized you want the the, 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 the the peace of mind i mean sometimes hair is used for high school graduations university sure. graduations weddings so you really want to know that your big day or your special day is not tempered with or contaminated with some level of of infiltration uh, of unwanted right. uh, what, what do you call it unwanted uh, 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 intrusion from from right. any pandemic whatsoever. So yes, there, there, there has been this huge gaping hole in the market whereby uh, 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 what do you call it uh, turning a blind eye of where this hair actually comes from. Right. The tears mixed with this hair. Is there a woman crying on the other end of the village? Right. Did something actually find its way in there? It might not be a pandemic. It might just be silicon. Maybe the hair that is being passed as 100% human hair, it might turn out that it's actually only 20% human hair and the rest yeah. of it is silicon, horse hair, horse fur, and all the other stuff. So you, you, you really want to blow up and open up the, the, the trust dialogue around what are you really acquiring? What are you taking delivery of? What are you purchasing? So in some instances, vendors and I guess you could say manufacturers have used horse hair for hair extensions that people are putting into their scalp. Yes. Wow. Yes, yes. Because you know oh, what wow. I put it earlier on that as a luxury item, hair is competing with phones. And if you can ask yourself, in, I mean, in China, the, the counterfeiting problem has gotten so big uh, because right. of how lucrative uh, uh, there's few there's few items, and not just China alone, other other regions as well. Uh, sneakers, right. a, pro, a product on the planet, but all the other light, luxury items they follow. Sneakers, sneakers are number one. Like more than items. like handbags and watches. More than anything, more than watches, more wow. than anything. Because if, wow. you look at the Gen Z, if you look at the Gen Z uh, 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 purchasing power, it's been growing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the demand and the right. and the cool and the coolness factor, the demand is just kind of like breaking the internet. So there's been a whole lot of uh, uh, <laughs> that are mushrooming everywhere. So yeah, I mean, there's even I'm not sure if you're aware, but in certain parts of China, there has been entire Apple store or rather ice stores that were actually a counterfeit. The I've ice seen store, that, yes, yes. Ice store is a counterfeit. So let alone what comes out of that store, but the ice store itself is a counterfeit. By the way, they look pretty convincing. Like, uh, honestly, like you could easily just yeah. stumble into that and not even know better if this was if this store was anywhere else. You and I, yeah. and I will take selfies outside that store. We're going to put, we're going to uh, post right. out there. So, yes, right, right. It's a global, it's a global uh, uh, pandemic by itself. Counterfeiting yeah. is a global pandemic. So yeah, this is why uh, manufacturers of hair are tempted to smuggle other items in there and pass them off as as virgin hair or hundred percent human hair. It's because of how lucrative right. it is, and yet horse hair is cheap, and other types of furs are cheap, or even or even synthetic hair, which is basically plastic. That's cheap. Right. However, real human hair now that's that's a pricey item. So it's all too tempting for the manufacturers when you and I are not looking for them to just kind right. of like smuggle other items in there and just pass them off as, you know what, straight from the source. I think here's, a, here's, a, here's another dynamic. While India is the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the, the raw materials capital, there's also other hair varieties that are quite niche and they are quite sought after from places like Russia. Russian hair Anywhere on the planet, Russian hair is the most expensive hair. Russian really? hair. Yeah, yeah. Forget Vietnam hair. Forget, forget, uh, forget the other varieties. Forget Brazilian hair. hair. 
you know, Russia, partly because of the, 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 the region, the, the, the climate there, and also the, the diet and the climate, and there's a whole lot of dynamics there. So, Hey, Shadrick, you there? Shadrick. Excuse me, everyone. I think we may just have a slight bit of technical difficulties here. Bear, bear with me just a moment. Shadrick, can you hear me now? All right, everybody. I believe we just lost Shadrick. However, let's try to get him back on. I appreciate everybody's patience at the moment. All right, let's see what is going on here. I have to say, so far, this has been an incredibly informative episode. And by the way, I've learned things about, you know, hair and, you know, related beauty products uh, never heard before and never could have imagined. And, you know, you can all see how enlightening some of this stuff is and the potential that can be realized and benefited by you know putting products such as this on a decentralized blockchain ledger where you can see really the source of really all the goods that you buy especially things like hair and especially now learning from shadrick that hair you know even after it's removed and processed to make what is a hair extension they can carry various chemicals bacteria viruses and, you know, um, related uh, harmful, harmful substances. And, you know, these are things that you're putting into your scalp. So you can only imagine the detriment and the hazard and the potential for harm if uh, someone is acquiring, let's say, a hair extension or some sort of hair-related product from a very, very low-quality, dubious, negligent or, you know, intentionally harmful source. You know, this go for men and women alike, as far as, you know, what we all, you know, put into our, you know, put into our hair. So, you know, that's certainly some, you know, food for thought, you know, to say the very least. And taking that even a step further, if we can actually see the entire, I guess you could say lifeline, or the entire trajectory, or the entire spectrum of the raw material to when it's processed till when you have the finished product and all the parties and the locations that have interacted with that specific item. And the benefit is if this is on a blockchain, it's an immutable ledger, so it cannot be changed. And let's say if by any chance it is changed, um, it is completely detectable. There is no way to conceal that type of, you know, deviation, so to say. So think of it this way. It's like uh, pages in a book. You know, you remove a page, you remove a chapter. It's very noticeable. And it changes, uh, it changes the meaning and it changes the information. And there's really no way to bypass and ignore that either. So as we're waiting for, you know, Shadrick to get back onto the live stream, you know, I'll certainly muse and, perhaps uh, contemplate and expand upon some of these, you know, topics that, you know, that we are, you know, discussing today. And, you know, with Coronet Blockchain, uh, Shadrick has essentially created a distributed transparent ledger of sorts for hair extension 
and hair extension related beauty supplies. So keeping in mind, since, since the source is human hair, there is a particular necessity in a very, very high need for transparency. And even more so, um, there is a very high need for accountability. And this goes to the public at large, and this goes to just individual consumers who are purchasing these, you know, whether you look at them as luxury products or whether you look at, look at them as some sort of um, organic substance as it is hair, you know, these are things, regardless um, if they're looked at as purely as a, as a health or a beauty and luxury item, uh, the need for transparency is, is paramount, you know, with, without a doubt. Um, these, are, these are products where if they're not from a legitimate source, the potential and the severity of harm is without a doubt great. And considering how large the beauty and, you know, beauty supply industry, especially just hair products alone, hair extension products alone, as we've learned, um, this isn't just a niche market. This is very, very mainstream. This is very, very spread out and broad um, across, you know, the United States, Europe, East Asia, continental Africa, Latin America, and so on and so forth. And in fact, you know, I may not be an expert in this, but I'd be I'd be surprised to, you know, even see or hear a conversation talking about the nuances and technical aspects of, let's say, beauty industry without a conversation mentioning or addressing hair extensions, Hollywood, pop culture, uh, everyday, the everyday economy of various, you know, salons across the country and everywhere else, um, they deal in this product. So it is particularly important uh, to know the source of it. And in fact, this can expand to anything. This could be to the very, you know, meat, dairy products, and just about any food that we have on our table. Seeing the source, seeing the origin, and seeing the various parties who've had their hands on it and seeing how it's processed, this will make people think twice as far as who and where they even get their basic, you know, necessities from, you know, your, your food, your water, things like that. In fact, even our luxury items, if, if a blockchain ledger can reveal the source and location of, let's say, where our various, you know, laptops and, you know, iPhones and creature comforts, that technology, you know, has allowed all of us to enjoy, you know, if, if people are looking and viewing a ledger that shows that the manufacturing or processing plant dealing with this is in a town or a region that has a very, very long and contemporary current history of, let's say, exploiting child labor, uh, for instance, or, you know, coercing people, you know, into labor by threat of violence or some kind of duress. I don't see how somebody could divorce that from their head. If you're knowing, if you knowingly, you know, see that, the source of your clothing or your shoes is coming from an area where most of the parties, if not all of them, that are making, hands-on, manufacturing your product are, are people who are exploited or people who are victims of some sort of violence, threat of violence, or some sort of, you know, very, very aggressive coercion or duress. I don't see how you know, in good conscience, putting on that pair of shoes or socks or slacks or whatnot, um, I don't see how you can easily compartmentalize that in an everyday experience. And by the way, even if we just go beyond that, when it comes to food, um, seeing the farms, seeing the packaging and distribution companies and plants that are involved, that may also make you think twice about where you get your food from. If you're buying, let's say, chicken or beef, you know, for instance, from a town or a commercial farm that uh, knowingly 
and, you know, has historically used, you know, various steroids and you could say dangerous chemicals to uh, bulk, bulk up their, let's say, their livestock for these products. Well, a lot of these chemicals, especially the steroids that are used to bulk up animals, you know, these are things that presumably, you know, enter our blood, they get stored in our fat. And as, you know, science in many, in many type of, uh, I guess, scholarship and publications have revealed, these are things that cause various health problems, especially as, as we get older. So, you know, if you want to really see what is organic or what isn't, uh, a distributed, transparent blockchain ledger can certainly, you know, solve that problem. And in fact, there have been many, many stories of, you could say, uh, food companies passing themselves off as organic, where in fact they are not. So as a customer, you want to get what you pay for. So if you're buying something organic, if you want to spend, let's say, a bit, a bit more extra money to get something where you know uh, is healthier or at least lacks or doesn't possess all of those chemicals used in genetically modified food, well, then if you're buying, let's say, that high quality organic piece of food, then you should be buying that high quality organic piece of food. You know, I think the expectation should meet reality, you know, in, in that case. So the there is an incredible world of possibility that can be realized from projects and use case uh, initiatives such as Shadrick's uh, company at, you know, Coronet Blockchain. So I'm very curious and very optimistic to see how many of these supply chain use case projects will be playing out in the years to come. And it will create a more conscious and a more well-informed consumer. And I think nowadays where the world has kind of ended up in 2022, I think that is especially important you know, going forward as well. And a lot of the numbers as to, you know, mortality, you know, alcoholism, you know, uh, mental illness, you know, diabetes, all of it, these numbers, generally speaking, are not going down. And in fact, they've been, they've been in many ways exacerbated by the many problems, you know, with the pandemic and beyond, you know, over, you know, over these years. So knowledge, is probably one of the best ways to arm yourself against, you know, the chaos and curveballs of life. So if blockchain via a distributed ledger that is completely transparent, traceable, and it can't be altered, if that is going to be one of the tools that will help people become a more informed, more aware consumer and citizen, regardless of where you're from, then I think that is the course we should take. So this is the conclusion of part one of today's episode of Crypto with English, featuring Shadra Kubain, co-founder of Coronet Blockchain. So stay tuned for part two. See you soon.